song. It's called One Thing Remains. I just want to say some one thing. Isn't that an amazing message that comes out of that song? His love will never fail us, never runs out on us. It's always there for us. Even if we mess up and we're constantly asking for forgiveness, he's already forgiven us, guys. It's amazing to feel that constant love that he gives to us. And it never runs out. He's never going to say, oh, you did this. I'm not gonna love you anymore. He's never gonna say that ever in your entire life. Okay? It's an amazing message. And I just wanted to say that one thing. Now, we're gonna go next, next song, Cornerstone.
So, we're going to do something called offering. And offering is where we give money out of the kindness of our hearts to people who need it more than we do. And it's to not only give them money so that they can get water and food and medicine that they need, but it's also to spread God's love. And it's an amazing thing that we do here, and it means a lot to the whole church, and it means a lot to the people that get the money that we send them. So I'm going to go ahead and pray for that, and then we're going to get to the next song. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for this wonderful night. I thank you for the opportunity that we give um, so that we can that we get so that we can give out of the kindness of our hearts and spread the love for you, Lord, so that we can give money that we don't need, Lord, um, so that we can give it to the people who need it, so they can buy food, water, medicine, anything else that they need where they're struggling, Lord. And um, it it's amazing that we can give your love, Lord, in a form that, that, that will help them in their daily lives, Lord. Spreads it to them. In your name I pray, amen. I messed, I messed up. up. Wrong capo. I forgot to write it down. Yeah. It happens, it happens. Exactly. All right, take two.
Father, I thank you so much for this wonderful night, Lord, here at Hype. We can worship you. We can praise you, Lord, with our voices and with music. We can, and that you love us, Lord. You send us your unconditioned love, and that we surrender to you with our hearts. We say, here's my heart, Lord. Change it. Make it better. In your name I pray, amen. Can you guys give our worship team a round of applause, please? Come on. So I am thankful um, for those of you who hung out with us a little bit last year. Um, you might remember Pastor Eric, right? Um, I am thankful for uh, an awesome worship team like Brayden and Amy and Bree and Connor uh, for two reasons. One, I'm grateful for their uh, desire to serve God through leading us in worship, but I'm also uh, grateful that they play instruments because I don't. <laughs> um, I have no idea how to play instruments. I have no clue how to do any of that stuff. So um, with that being said, I do want to dig in. Uh, to God's word with you this evening. But before we do that, two things. First is, next week, we are making up a uh, rain game. You guys should either scoot in or sit over here. Could you do that? Like, like just this row. You guys, I, I, just, I like to see everybody. So I, I love you. Yeah, or behind, either way, whatever you want to do. I just, wa just want to call you out and have you guys move. This is the cool guys club right here. Let's give them a round of applause. Come on. Yes. All right. Cool. So um, we, tr we tried to go to uh, Detweiler Golf Course to play foot golf for the, uh, during the summer. For those of you who don't know what foot golf is, think golf with a soccer ball. Um, we'll do nine holes. It will be a bucket, not a hole that you're kicking into. We would ask you to wear tennis shoes and bring a soccer ball if you have one. If not, they're $3 to rent at the, uh, at the golf course. So um, if you are interested in going to foot golf, I need you to take one of these tonight after we're done. Um, they will be sitting right, meow, and you can snag one of those. The second thing is, um, if you are in high school, we are going to do fifth quarters again this year. Um, so um, what I need you to do, uh, Mr. Hantak actually has some flyers sitting in his office. I'm going to print off some more as we kind of go throughout the school year so you guys can get these um, hung up. I said office, I meant classroom. Um, get these hung up around the school. I have like 60 of these. There are some on the table back there. There are more here. If you are in high school, uh, spread the word, fifth quarter. First one is this Friday after the football game right here at Cross Point. So snag a couple of those, hand them to your friends, invite people. We're going to have food, we're going to have games, and we're going to do those things, and it's going to be fun. So um, tonight we are going to be in Luke chapter 5. If you have a Bible, please turn there. Um, I'm going to read the whole chapter and then we're going to go back through and break this down. But before we do that, I really want to pray. Um, just so you guys can, can uh, honestly be praying for me personally. Um, this is very new for me. I've never, I've never been a pastor before. Um, and so there's, there's, you know, there's a lot of pressure. There's a lot of uh, expectations that, I mean, you guys might have expectations for me. Um, you know, uh, there are many people that might have expectations for me. And, and there's some, some pressure there. Uh, it's easy for me to get anxious, nervous, whatever. And so please keep me in your prayers, uh, please. Um, I desperately need them. I desperately need to uh, uh, just 
pray to God right now, ask for his grace and his mercy as we dig into his word this evening. So uh, let me pray. Father, thank you um, for another opportunity that you've given us to dig into your holy scriptures. God, help us to remember that every time that we open this book, that it's not just a normal book, that these are supernatural words spoken from your very mouth, and that you've used people throughout the centuries to write down exactly what you wanted them, wanted them to say so that we would know you more. Lord God, we thank you that you've given us your scriptures so that we can know and love you. Thank you that we can um, understand aspects of your character. Thank you that you've given us the Holy Spirit to be able to communicate these things. But more than that, thank you for your son, Jesus. I ask for his grace and his mercy. Lord God, we ask you to uh, fill this place with your spirit. Um, help us to see your presence here among us. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear what you would have for us this evening. In Jesus' name, amen. I wanted to start off this evening by asking if you've ever been loved before. Um, or if you've ever loved someone before? I hope the answer to this question is yes. Um, I have in my pocket a uh, cute love note that my wife wrote me. I'm not going to read it, but um, I, I have this in my pocket for uh, one reason. I wanted, to, I wanted to show this to you because I think there are many ways uh, that people express their love to one another, and I think one of the coolest ways to do that is through handwritten notes. And so I would encourage you, if, if you have felt love from someone, um, or if you love someone, write them a handwritten note. And I, and I hope, honestly, if I could be honest with you, I hope that that person that you're thinking about is um, your parents. And the reason why I'm hoping that you think that is um, two reasons. I don't believe that there's anybody in this world that loves and cares for you more than your parents. I don't. Um, you can argue with me about that later. I'm, I'll throw down with you if you want to argue with me about that. Um, because I really do. I think your parents love you dearly. I think they cherish you. Um, I think there's no greater joy in a parent's life than to see their child thrive and succeed. Um, and, but there's something really interesting about the, 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 the parent-child relationship, and I'm learning a lot about this now. I have not even come close to fully understanding it, and I won't uh, come close to understanding it until uh, Leon, and if you know, we'll probably have other kids, but Leon, and, and they are much older probably Aaron's age, I'll start to just finally, when, when Leon's your age, I'll probably just now start to understand and get how crazy it is to, to not just be a dad, but to have a son and, and to walk with them uh, through their life. There's, there's a couple things that are interesting about that relationship. One, they, they watch you grow, right? Uh, mom, dad, guardian, whoever's in your life, whoever you live with at home, the adult that takes care of you, they've, they've seen you grow. Uh, they've been around you. They've seen you at your best. They've seen you succeed. They've seen you jump over obstacles. They've seen you win. They've seen you do amazing things in this life, but they've also seen you at your worst, right? I think if anybody has a glimpse, any human being, and obviously God does, but I think if any human being has a glimpse into um, our sin, it's our parents. Our parents see us when we're at our worst. They see us when we fail, they see us when we stumble. They see us when we fall. Your parents have probably seen you when you're at your angriest, right? Um, for some of you, maybe your parents were the ones to make you your angriest, right? Uh, we can be honest. I, I know for my mother, my mother is probably the person who can push my buttons the quickest. She knows just right where to go, and there it is. Um, but I tell you what, I've never experienced um, the only love that I've experienced from my wife that was as powerful as when my mother was looking across for me at a table when I was at my worst, and she said, I don't look at you any different now than I did when you were little. And I thought that was pretty cool. You know, I, I did a lot of terrible things to my mother. Um, at this point in my life, it was, you know, uh, back in 2012, but she sat across from me from a table, and she said, 
I don't look at you any different now than I did when you were five or six. I can't remember the age that she said to me, but um, because right there you get a glimpse of what unconditional love actually looks like, right? A love that's not based in our actions, a love that's not based in what we say or what we do. It's a love that doesn't expect an I love you too when it extends its hand, right? So many times when we tell somebody I love you, we expect them to say what? I love you too. Come on, you can say it louder. Come on. Right. So if I say I love you, I want to hear. Right. But that's conditional love. What, what, what would it look like if it, I didn't need to hear that from you? If I could just say I love you and that was enough. I didn't need the affirmation of your love returned. That's an unconditional love. That's a, that's a love that is very special. Um, a love that's not very seen often. In Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 11, it says this, One day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of them. He got in one of the boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got, oh, there we go. I read that one twice. Hey. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and he asked them, he asked him to put out a little bit from shore. So picture Jesus, right? He's teaching on the shore of a lake. Think like, I don't know, the lake that's that way. I can't remember, Lake Evergreen. So think Lake Evergreen. He's standing on the shore of the lake, and there's crowds of people pressing in around him. And so to give himself a little space, right, between himself and the crowds of people, because there's much more people than, what's, who's, that, than that's in here. That didn't make any sense. Much more people than we have here. So he, you have this crowd of people pushing up against him, so he asked Simon who was cleaning up his nets from a night of fishing, if he could get into his boat and push off a little bit from shore. And so it says that um, after he pushed off a little bit from shore, then he sat down from the boat and taught the people. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help. And they came to them and filled up both boats so full full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. So tonight, we are beginning a new series. It's called Follow. And the fun little catchphrase for the series is walking in the footsteps of Jesus. The reason why I wanted to talk to this, about this as, a, as, a, as an initial kind of start off to the school year and honestly my first series as a pastor here is um, if there's anything to me that's more important in the scriptures, it's this. What we're going to talk about over the next few weeks is A, something that I hold very dear, but it's also what I believe to be the most important thing for us to see in the Bible. What does it look like to be a disciple? The word disciple shows up 312 times in the New Testament. The word disciple shows up 312 times in the New Testament. The word Christian, what many many of us who follow Jesus today identify as, shows up only three times in the New Testament. 
So today, we, we often, we identify as Christian. But in the first century, they identified as disciples, followers of the way is what they would call themselves, followers of Jesus. Um, I actually have the word methetes, which is Greek for disciple. This is actually the word that is written down in the original language, um, and it means student or follower. I actually have it tattooed on my wrist um, because I thought it was, it was cool for me to get tattoos back in the day. I probably wouldn't have got this done uh, now just because it was too much money. But <laughs> um, yeah, I have it tattooed on my wrist. This is very important to me, um, and I believe it's very important to God. If disciples showed up 312 times in the New Testament, I think it's something we need to take notice of, right? And so um, the first thing that I, I, I want you to understand is that to be a disciple means to follow. And many of you may have been asked the question in your life, are you a leader or a follower? Now, when you're asked the question, are you a leader or are you a follower, how do you answer that? Leader? Okay. Who else says leader? Come on, like, let, let's be honest, Right? If, if, if my mom, when I was younger, said, are you a leader or are you a follower? I knew that the right answer was leader. Because I knew that if I said follower, she would reply with, and that's why you get in trouble so much. Because you're following the wrong people. You need to be a leader. You need to step up. You need to be different. You need to do the right thing. And these things would be told to me as a young, at a younger age. And I think, are you a leader or are you a follower, is a bad question. I do. I think it's a horrible question. Here's why. I think we all follow something or someone. I used to follow rappers because I love hip-hop. I'm a hip-hop head, as you would call them. I grew up in the inner city. I love hip-hop music, and I, it was, you know, the music I used to listen to was terrible. But I followed a lot of these hip-hop artists, and I began to behave in a similar way to these hip-hop artists. If you guys would have met me like five years ago, six years ago, I'd have been like sagging my pants, like down to here. Yes, I was one of those. And um, it's just, it, 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 many of the things I did, many of my mannerisms, the way that I sat, the way that I walked, the way that I talked, mirrored the behavior of these people that I follow. Maybe you listen to hip-hop. Maybe you follow hip-hop people. I don't know. Uh, maybe you follow a celebrity. You want to be like this person. Maybe you follow um, a friend. Maybe your parents. Maybe you follow a coach a teacher. There are many people in our lives that we can follow. Who are you following? I, I, I really think um, a lot of what plays into what we wear and how we dress goes into and leads into, you know, maybe potentially who we're following. Um, I'm going to pick on Cade here for a minute because I love him and I don't like Messi, the soccer player, but Cade loves Messi. And so Cade, Cade, what's your, what's your, what's your favorite jersey, soccer jersey to wear? Right, and, 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 and listen, don't get me wrong, Messi is a, one of the world's greatest, probably the world's greatest soccer player, I would say, because I don't like Cristiano Ronaldo. I don't like him at all. But um, I don't like Messi either. But Cade wears a Messi jersey. Why? Why would Cade? I have no clue what that is. Um, but Cade wears a Messi jersey. Why? Not because Cade actually follows Messi, but because Messi's influence inspires Cade. Cade, do you play soccer? Yes. Wouldn't you like to play soccer like Messi? Of course, right? I mean, and Cade, actually, he plays soccer like Messi. He's the, he's the best player on their team, as Titus. <laughs> because Titus just isn't as good as Cade. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but anyway, what, basically what I'm getting at is we, we all tend to follow somebody. We all lean somewhere or another. But the, and the question is, who are you following? Who are you following? And so, 
Obviously, you know, the obvious answer is, you know, I would love to say that everybody in this room follows Jesus. I'd love to say that. That's not the case. That's not the case. Not everybody in this room follows Jesus. I know that. I know that. I don't want you to pretend like you follow Jesus either. I would much rather you not follow Jesus and tell me that you don't follow Jesus than not follow Jesus and pretend that you do. I would respect that because you're being open and honest with me. I would. I would. And I, and I invite you, if, if that's you, that's okay. I'm not going to knock you for it. Now, would I love you, for you to follow Jesus? Absolutely. I believe Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, the way to know the Creator, the way that we were designed to, to, to live as human beings was to follow and, and be in relationship with our Creator, and I, would, I want that for you more than anything. But let me tell you something. Just like my mom looked across me at the table and said, I don't look at you any differently, I don't look at you any differently. None of our leaders in here look at you any differently, and I want you to know that. I want you to know that. So if we, if, we, if we look at this passage, there's a couple things that we can see in the first five verses. You know, we see Simon, he, he knows Jesus. This, is, this isn't Simon's first encounter with Jesus. We know that later, Simon is actually called Peter. So for the sake of not getting confused, I'm just going to call him Peter because that's what I call him. That's what he's known by in the rest of the scriptures. And Jesus kind of renames people because he's just a boss like that. So um, Jesus named him Peter, which means rock, and which I think is awesome. Rock is just, I mean, rock stars and stuff. Never mind. So, um, so Peter obviously knew Jesus before this. We know this because in Luke chapter, and we know, that, we know that Peter knew that Jesus did miracles. We know that Peter knew Jesus could cast out demons. And we know that Jesus was close with Peter. He actually might have lived with Peter in Capernaum at this time. This was a year into Jesus' three-year Jesus three ministry, and um, Peter knew Jesus. This wasn't the first time he's seen this guy. Um, and Jesus was pretty popular. But there's something really interesting about this, and I just want you to notice in verse 5, um, P- Peter addresses Jesus, Simon addresses Jesus as master. I think that's pretty interesting. Jesus hasn't even officially asked him to follow him yet, but Peter is still referring to him as master. And, and another interesting thing about this is you have Jesus who tells Peter, let's go back out fishing. He says, let's go back out fishing. Now, back in those days, the best time to fish was at night. Peter talks about in the text, we see Peter says, he says, master, like, I hear what you're saying. I respect you, I honor you, but we've been doing this thing all night. We haven't caught nothing. We haven't caught anything. But because you say so, we'll go back out. And so we see that Peter recognizes Jesus as an authority. He recognizes him as, 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 as a leader, Okay? And we see that Peter is willing to follow there. We see a desire in Peter to follow. And then something else that we see is um, Peter follows Jesus when it seems foolish to do so. Jesus is a carpenter. He worked with stone and wood. That was his trade. That was his profession. Jesus was not a fisherman, which means Jesus didn't know everything that'd be. He wasn't an expert at fishing. Peter is an expert at fishing. If you have Jesus and you have Peter and you're like, who knows more about fishing? Peter probably knows more about fishing than Jesus does. He's an expert in it. Um, yes, Jesus was fully God. He was, he was a man as well. The point is, is that you have a carpenter telling a fisherman, hey, let's go back out fishing at a very inappropriate time to go fishing. 
And Peter, the expert fisherman, humbles himself and listens to his master and goes anyway. I love that. I love Peter's desire to follow Jesus when it seems foolish to do so. I wish that I could model that more in my own life. But when it doesn't make sense to follow Jesus somewhere, I seem to back out in fear or with anxiety. And that's just not the case for Peter. And I think that's pretty cool. Now in verse 6, we see something also very interesting. We see that an appropriate view of Jesus causes us to appropriately see ourselves. A clear view of Jesus causes us to clearly see ourselves. So we all follow somebody. But when we follow Jesus, when we begin to see Jesus more clearly, we actually see ourselves more clearly. Um, there's, a, there's, a, there's a really smart guy from the 1600s that I like. His name's John Calvin. He's a, he's a theologian. And um, I can't remember the quote off the top of my head, like, I'll probably butcher the quote telling this to you, but he says this. He says, One cannot truly know themselves unless they truly know God. And one cannot truly know God unless they know themselves. Now, I think that's very interesting, and we we, we see that in the text here. In verse 6, it says this. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets begin to break. So there's so many fish that their nets are beginning to break. This is a time where they're not supposed to catch any fish. The odds are stacked against them, and Jesus provides abundantly. Peter takes a step step of obedience in faith, and God comes through in incredible ways. Now, this is pretty cool. But if we stop there, we're missing the point. We're missing the point. It says in in verse 6, after they caught the fish, It says, so they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and they filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees. Now, if you were with me and we went out fishing and we caught so much fish that we filled up two boats and they started sinking, would you fall at my knees? No. I hope not. One, I'm not God. But two, that just seems like a very peculiar reaction to catching a ton of fish, right? I mean, we can be honest. Um, I love, when I, when I read the Bible, I love to ask questions to the Bible. That might sound weird to you because this is like a book and with paper, and it might not seem like it, it, it can answer directly to you. I mean, no, the book is not going to just like vocalize its answer to you and speak. However, um, I read this, and I'm like, why in the world would you respond that way, right? Like, why would you respond that way? But if we look further, it says, and said, go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. Now, there's something very interesting here. Peter, who referred to Jesus previously as master, is now calling him Lord. A master is somebody to be obeyed. But a Lord is somebody to give your life to. And we see here, Peter is getting a glimpse at Jesus' godness, his deity. He's seeing that this isn't just an ordinary man, but this is a man sent from God himself. And so as Peter gets a clearer picture of who Jesus is, he gets a clear picture of himself. And what's the first thing he does? He says, get away from me. I'm a sinful man. You see, the perfection of Jesus causes Peter to see himself truly. 
And my question to you is this. If you don't see yourself in that way, you might not know Jesus. Scripture says that we all fall short of the glory of God. It says that we are born into sin. It says that um, only Christ can redeem and separate us from our sin as far as the east is from the west. That Jesus Christ himself frees us from the power and the penalty of our sins through the, the life, death, and resurrection of the Son of God. We have life and we have life abundantly. Peter is getting a picture of that and it's causing him to appropriately see himself. <laughs> the awe and wonder of God allowed Peter to see himself clearly. And, and, and one of the things that I love about how he calls him Lord is Lord is actually connected to how God is addressed throughout the entire Old Testament. And this response of get away from me, I'm a sinful man, mirrors many saints of the Old Testament and how they would respond to the presence of God. Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter 6, says, it says in verse 1, it says, In the year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. And then I think three or four verses later in Isaiah 6, he says, Woe to me, I'm a man of unclean lips. And so Isaiah saw the Lord and it caused him to see his sin clearly. The last thing I want you guys to see about this passage, and this is the most important thing. I want you to see that Jesus went first, right? Jesus was standing by the lake. The people were crowding around him. Jesus asked Peter to get into the boat. Jesus initiated a conversation with Peter. Jesus told Peter to go out. Peter didn't suggest it. Jesus told Peter to go out. Now, Peter responded in good faith but Christ initiated it. God initiated it. He went first. I want you to see that. What I love about the worship team up here, what I love about that is, you know what? Um, seriously, to be in high school and to do that, or in middle school, or however old you are, it doesn't really matter, but to do that in general, even if you're an adult doing, here, doing it here on Sunday, it's hard. Because what they have to do is they have to go first. If they don't go first in pouring themselves out to the Father in worship, you won't. You won't. You'll be bored. You won't be motivated. You'll be critical of how the music's being played, whatever. You won't even be focused on God. But if they go first, it's so awesome how when a worship team goes first and they begin to authentically worship the Lord, how the people in the room just begin to follow suit. And you see, together now, we are all corporately worshiping God, and it doesn't matter who went first because we're doing it together. In, 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 in our relationship with God, in our relationship with Christ, he goes first. Right? We, we cannot follow anyone unless they are leading us. But we are called to follow. We are called to follow. Jesus tells Peter, he says, he says in Matthew 4.19, he says, hey, there it is. Come follow me and I will send you out to fish for people. Now that sounds like a weird command to go fish for people because I don't have a fishing pole and I'm not like going like this. However, what he's saying is he's saying, come follow me Come follow me and help other people come follow me. 
Come follow me and help others. Come follow me. This is Matthew 4.19. This is Matthew's version of this story in Luke 5. What Jesus says in Luke 5 is this. How Luke wrote it down, he said, Don't be afraid. From now on you will fish for people. Now imagine being Peter and catching so many fish that you just filled up two boats that they're sinking. And then imagine being told by Jesus, after you've confessed your sin to Jesus, being graciously told by the Son of God, not judgment, but don't be afraid. He graciously reassures Peter and invites him to follow him. Peter doesn't say, get away from me, I'm sinful. And Jesus would be like, yeah, you're kind of right, get out of here. He doesn't do that. Why do we fear to confess our sins to God and fear that he'll reject us when we see so often, when we hear so often that he won't? That it's our, 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 our confession is an admission of our need for him. The moment where we confess our sins to God is the moment where we, we admit to God that we need him. And it's evidence that God has already gone first because nobody confesses their sin to God unless they've experienced the love of God. Because he goes first. You didn't go to the cross. Jesus did. You didn't die and be dead in the tomb for three days. Jesus did. You weren't rose from the grave. Jesus was. He did that. He went first. It's that that's worth staking our life in. It's that that causes us to be motivated to call him Lord. It's that that causes us to give our life to him. It's that that makes him worth following. Why am I talking about this? What's the point? The point is, Many of us talk about following Jesus, but we don't actually have like a practical way to see what that looks like. We don't have like action points of like, oh, this is what it looks like to follow Jesus in my day-to-day life. We hear these abstract truths of read the Bible and pray and worship God and love people. It's like, well, hold on a second. This is a very complicated piece of literature to understand. So that's out the book. Prayer. I don't even understand prayer. I see some dude stand up on a stage maybe once a week and say a really elegant and beautiful prayer. I can't do that. So then all of a sudden prayer is out of the book. And worship. What is worship? What does that even look like? Many of us misunderstand worship for just singing. It's way more than that. It's way more than that. And so we dismiss that as well. And then love. Well, how hard is it to truly and genuinely love somebody? It's difficult. It hurts the moment where you extend yourself out to love somebody, you've just given them permission to hurt you the most because it's the people who love you and that you're closest to that hurt you the most. Now I want you to imagine this. If Jesus went first out of his love for us, imagine how he feels when we sin against him. I'm not saying that to make you feel guilty. I'm saying that to help you understand the greatness of his love for you. It's why God hates sin. God hates sin because what person who says they love another person would love that the thing that that person's doing to destroy themselves if let me me say it a different way because that was a little confusing if you were doing something to destroy yourself and i said that i love you would i let you do that thing absolutely not i would hate whatever it is you're doing because i love you i want more for you I want you to understand what it means to have life and life abundantly and and to see you walk into death and destruction is something that grieves me. It's why God hates sin. It's why he hates sin. Following Jesus is, is, it's, it's incredible, it's amazing. It's hard. It's hard. 
We're motivated to follow Jesus because he went first. We're motivated to follow Jesus because he loved us. 1 John 4, 9 through 10 says this, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. You see, we love because he loved us. We follow because he loves us. And over the next five weeks, because next week we won't be talking about following Jesus, we'll be at foot golf hanging out, which is completely okay. We can still talk about following Jesus there too if you want. But over the next four weeks, we're going to talk about what does it look like in your life to be a disciple and to make disciples. Because as we see in Matthew 4, 19, you cannot be a disciple unless you're making disciples. What does he say? He says, come follow me and I will send you. So if we're following Jesus, that means that we're also sent to help others follow Jesus. It doesn't mean we just come in here on Sundays and, and Wednesdays and soak up all the knowledge that we can get. No, 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 no. These times are to be used to your advantage so that you're equipped to go do ministry when you're at school. It's not my job to just do ministry. It's yours too if you're in here and you're following Jesus. We are all sent ones. We are all disciples who make disciples. And so what does that look like? What does that look like? Well, we're going to talk about four things. We're going to talk about prayer. We're going to talk about studying the scriptures to know and love God. We're going to talk about worship. And we're going to talk about love. We're going to talk about those four things. Because here's the thing. Following Jesus is more simple than you thought it was, but more difficult than you could imagine. And we're going to talk about what that looks like because it's really hard to love people. It's really hard to walk in a manner worthy of your calling and to be constantly worshiping the Lord as you walk. It's really difficult to study the scriptures to know and love God and be distracted and not be distracted. And trust me, there are many times where I've been on my knees in prayer and just fallen asleep. It's really hard to pray. It is. It's difficult, but it's worth it. It is. It's so worth it. And so, my prayer for you is that you'll join us over these next few weeks. My prayer is that you'll invite people to join us. My prayer is that you will not just take what we learn here and sit on it, but that you'll do something with it. But even more so that you would do something with it together. Everybody look to your right. And look to your left. There is somebody sitting next to you, except for if you're on the end. Sorry, guys. Um, there's somebody sitting next to you. Hold them accountable to this. Do it together. You don't got to do it by yourself. You don't have to do it alone. We are here for you and with you. We want to help you. We want to show you that this is possible. And we also want you to know it's not just something for adults to do. You guys are called by God. I, you know, I, I talked about in here on Sunday that I truly believe that God can use you to stir up the faith of this church even. I think that'd be really cool. I think it'd be really cool for the adults to be challenged by the students, what it looks like to follow Jesus when they go to school or when they go to work, right? Because parents go to work. How can you challenge parents to share the gospel with their friends at work? How can you listen to your parents and them challenging you to share the gospel with your friends at school? How can you challenge me to share the gospel up here? Because I need to be challenged. I do. I need it. 
you guys now have my permission to challenge me in any way, shape, or form. I believe that God can do something really cool through you guys. I do. Um, you guys are doing something I never got the opportunity to do. For those of you who are in here and following Jesus in school, I never did that. I was too afraid to do that. I was too far from God to do that. I didn't know him. But for those of you who know him, that's incredible that you get the opportunity to share the gospel with your friends at school. And I hope that these next few weeks help equip you to do that. And the conversation won't just last four weeks. This is something we're going to talk about all year long, but we're going to spend an intentional four weeks really, really digging into what it looks like. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for um, who you are. Thank you for your gospel. Thank you for your son. Thank Thank you for your spirit. Thank you for every heart and home represented in this room. Thank you for um, faithful parents that challenge their students to come here. Thankful for, thank you for faithful students that challenge each other to come here. Um, thank you for our, our leaders, God, that you have given the Holy Spirit to and that you've equipped them to do the work of the ministry. Thank you for um, all of the things and all the glorious riches that we have in Christ Jesus. I pray that as we talk about what it looks like to follow you, over the next few weeks, that we would get a greater understanding for your love for us. I hope tonight served us well to just be reminded that you go first in this, that this isn't something that we initiate, God, but you initiate it by the blood of your son, and we're thankful for that. We thank you that out of your love for us, we are motivated to follow you. We thank you that out of your love for us, we are encouraged to make disciples, commanded to make disciples, and we thank you that you've given us everything we need in life and godliness through the knowledge of the Son of God, that through knowing you, you've given us everything we need to serve you. God, we love you so much. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.